Andy, welcome to the podcast, man. It is an absolute honour to have you here. Yeah, thank you very much. Good to be here. It's uh, you've had you've had a pretty pretty crazy time recently. So you've recently come out of a, a kidney transplant, right? Yeah, yeah, April April the tenth this year, I had that. Which is is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Now you've you've been battling with that kidney for a little while now. How how long has it been, kind of from beginning to end? I got diagnosed um, October two thousand and fifteen. Okay, yeah. So you're um, I just completed. That. No, that that was later on. It was just diagnosed with kidney failure first. Ah. The cancer came there. Blimey. Okay, so so how how have you uh, how have you kind of handled that? Because that in itself is just like a curveball of life, anyway. Let alone for someone whose entire life uh, is all about strength and strength sports. Obviously, that affects you in a completely different way. But how how did that affect your your headspace, man? When when this happened, it were I was shocked. I was shocked. I, I was sat in the consultant's room, um, and he said to me. Everybody had gone gone home six o'clock in the evening. Um, I come out, I'm looking around. There's nobody left. I'm thinking, you know, I've forgotten me. He comes out, puts his arm on my shoulder. He says, "We're getting you a bed." I said, "What for?" He said, "Your kidneys have failed. Your kidneys are functioning at three percent." So I thought, "Wow!" And then they come to my bed the next morning, and they're saying, "You need a transplant," <laughs> and they're putting a line in my neck for dialysis. That the day after, it was that it was that bad. Um, but I mean, my mindset. Well, through all my powerlifting career, it's always been, you know, a goal at the end of it, focus on it, no matter what it takes. And and I've just, I've just, just all I've done is just did that mindset, and taking it over to this. That's all I've done. Um, I always believed I'll get there. I'd get a transplant sooner or later. I, I didn't know how long. I knew my heavy lifting days were over anyway. I was 45. I mean. I'm not going to lift much more than what I've done already at 45 years old. So I, so I let that go. That that took a while to let it go. Um, but all I did, just just focus on the other things, you know. I could still train. Um, dialysis was keeping me alive. It wasn't ideal. I had to adjust my food. I couldn't eat any dairy, any sort of dairy, nuts or seeds. Um, potatoes. Um, it was just a very limited diet. If you want to do it to the best and you feel the best, you've got to cut potassium, your phosphate foods, all that out. I mean, people still are on dialysis in my ward and they're eating this stuff daily, but they get very ill from that. Where with me, I'm very, I'm very obsessive. Anything I do, I do it right. And I just cut everything out I needed to cut out and I lived on porridge oats, um, egg whites, um, white bread, protein sauces, very limited, about 120 grams of chicken, um, protein a day, buy a chicken, not a lot of red meat. Yeah, and um, is that so very, very limited potassium levels down? What's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, it's potassium because potassium's in a lot of fruit and vegetables. It's all potassium. And then when you look at potatoes, potassium again, you know, your phosphates and your things like your egg yolks and things like that and butters and, and they just build up. I mean, my levels were always quite high because I, I'm, a, I'm a big guy and I'm, I'm trying to eat a lot of food. But I went from 155 kilos to 127 in a matter of a month. And how did that make you feel, um, like, just in, in and of yourself? How, how was that change in body weight? Um, at the beginning, it's tough. It, it's, I think everybody goes through this. You know, when you're at the top of your game and you call it a day, no matter what sport you're in, there's an adjustment period where that man is no more. You've got to adjust to real life and not being that man that everybody knows, walking in places, 155 kilos, top of the world, and you get a lot of attention. Then suddenly, you're not that man anymore and the younger guys are coming up and you're not, you're not at the top of the world anymore. But what you've done is never going to be taken away from you. You know, it's always there. But it, it, take, it took me a couple of years, if I'm honest, to really get my head around it that this is this is it. I was going to say, in the you short term, like it's so now for difficult a while. To, to kind of get your head around that because, you know, everyone's looking up to you. Everyone's looking to you to put out 
you know the these world records and like these record breaking feats of strength that you were doing at the time and uh, i think to to be able to walk away with your head held high and say look i did this and actually walking away at the correct time i think in and of itself is also another art form because i'm sure you're probably someone that sees it more more and more you know there are these these older guys that are still trying to cling on to those glory days where they're still trying to pull the same weights and their body just can't handle it anymore I was that guy. Um, I should have walked away at about 40 years old and I kept on going five years too long. Um, I, I was going downhill. What I was doing, I was eating more, trying to get big by eating junk, um, trying to be the same body weight I was in my 30s when I was strongest. And I remember Dave Beatty saying to me, one of my competitions, I think Giants Live, who was on 14 or 15, he come to my hotel room. And he used to come to me, my hotel room, every time in America, in Columbus, at the Arnold Classic. And he'd walk into that room back then in my 30s, and he'd see me, and he'd go, my God, I'd put a stone on the last week, and my chest and shoulder were so big. And everything was just there. I knew I was going to win the shows. But then he'd come to me in my hotel room now, in 2014, 15, he said, you're the same weight on the scale, but you're not the same man. Your body's different. You're a lot more fattier now. I would try to force that weight to stay that strength. And then you talk about the drug side of it and as well. And, it, you know, it happens in powerlifting. I, I, I was doing what I needed to do to be the top of the world. And then, but I kept that going as well too long, you know, thinking I can get it back, I can get it back, I can get it back. But realistically, I'm never going to get it back. And it's only the last couple of years I've really let it go. And I'm happy with who I am and now I look and what I'm doing, I'm okay with that now. But I see other lifters and I think, you know, once you've gone past that peak, you need to let it go, wind it in, it's gone. Leave it to the younger guys. Yeah, 100%. So at, at what stage did you finally say, like, enough is enough? Was was it related to the kidney or was this just kind of, you just weren't feeling the strength or what happened? Before, about a week before I got the... The news I'd got kidney failure, I was doing a seminar in London and I told to my friend on the way back because I could barely walk from the ho- from the, the, the hotel to the train station. I had to stop three times. And this is only a 15-minute walk. I was so out of breath. I was struggling to breathe. I was so big. I was too big. And I said to him, I got on the train, I said, that's it. I said, I'm done. I said, I'm, I'm going to come down to one, two, five kilos, lose 30 kilos. And then before I even had a chance to do that, I got diagnosed with kidney failure the year after. But then even on dialysis the first year, I was thinking, next year, I'll get a transplant, I'll come back. The second year on dialysis, I'll come back. The third year into dialysis, my mindset started to change, thinking, is it worth it to go back to this again? And then I got the transplant from my mum, which it it fell through. I couldn't have that because I found cancer. So that hit me for six again. That sent me all the way back to the beginning again. And then I got through that two years, waited two years. Then I was getting it again from my mum with transplant. And that knocked back again. And I thought, my God, this is it. And I, But while this is going on, I'm just thinking, when I get back after this, when I get a transplant after all this, I'm not going to push my body like that again. Um, so eventually I did get a call from a deceased donor one day, completely out of the blue, and it was a perfect match to me. And then, but I'd already accepted that then that when I get my transplant, I'm not going to be that man again. I mean, doctors are telling me I can still train heavy. Heavy is not the problem. Um, doing big deadlifts is not a problem. It, it's the body weight. It's the blood pressure. You've got to keep that under control. Well, I think that was you know? probably one of the things that you so, were most famous for is uh, that that famous Andy Bottom bloody nose with, <laughs> with your, your, your big pulls. I mean, you, you were literally showing the world how much internal pressure you're creating there and obviously with something like that once those blood vessels have burst once it's just it's an open tap every time you're going to hit those kind of pressures there's no way it's not going to go it's it's massive but at the time when you're younger like that you think it's cool you think it's great having high blood pressure i mean i'm I'm not people don't know this but behind closed doors my wife was scared to death i mean because some some nights i'd wake up with my nose pouring blood like a tap and i'd be up up at the bedroom window, cramping from 
head to toe, everything's cramping up and bleeding. She said, I'm going to call an ambulance. I said, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I never went to hospital with it, but it, we're getting out of control. I was just too big. So let so, me ask you, you know, this then. then. If, you, oh, if you were to have your time again, what what things, yeah. what major things would you have done differently to perhaps maybe uh, extend that career if you feel like maybe you wanted to have been able to do that or uh, live a bit healthier or have some kind of balance? Or is it a case of that it's kind of like until the walls, uh, the wheels fall off and you don't really care and you would have done it the same way anyways? The, the thing is, if you want to be the best in the world and push them extreme weights, you've got to do whatever it takes. Um, and I did whatever it takes. Looking back now, um, the diet would have been a lot better than it was. Um, living at 155 kilos, it was great, but the amount of food you've got to eat, um, back then it was just a lot of good food, but a lot of junk food on top. Where you see the top athletes now, the bigger guys, which are the, the world's strongest men guys, they're healthy at that weight. They're quite healthy because they're not eating the junk and not top of junk. Um, so that's a big, big thing. Um, I would have finished a bit earlier, you know, at that top level, about 40, 40 years old max. When I broke, I think it was two, I was 39, 30, 38, 39 when I pulled 1,008. But then you always think you could, if you have did that now, I better do more next year and year after. Before you know it, you're into your 40s. And it, you, then you know it's not going to go anymore. It's just not going to happen. You know, something like that, that sort of way, at that level, it's not going to happen. Yeah, 100%. And obviously every single year, well, not necessarily every single year, but the, the more years that go past, you know, you're collecting more scar tissue, you're kind of reducing your range of motion a little bit more, your body's beat up, your tendons are a bit more brittle, your ligaments aren't, aren't quite as strong as they used to be. And when you're shifting those weights, man, the stress on those joints is unreal. So you must be so much more prone to injury as well. Yeah, definitely. But, but the biggest thing with lifting big weights like that, especially getting under the squats, the 1,200-pound squats, it, it's not being scared, not having the fear. I mean, I got asked in my 30s when I was squatting 1,100 plus, you know, what if something breaks? And my reply was, I'd get it fixed and come back. I was never scared. I would never, I never got under a squat bar scared of failing, getting buried at the floor, never. Um, I never, never got scared of getting injured. I've had more surgeries. I've got them fixed, come back stronger. But when I got to my late 30s, I started to get scared of the big weights on my back. Like now, I would not squat heavy again. I've no interest. Um, I don't want to be under a squat bar with that much weight on it anymore. You know what I mean? Your mindset changes. When you're young, you've no fear no. of anything. You're not, not fear of dying. You're not, I'm not, I wasn't scared of dying. I want to do this no matter what it takes. How that guy, whatever it takes... I, I was gonna do. I was gonna win. I was gonna be the man. Yeah, you feel. But then you, you get older. Looking back now, you do. Of course you do. And then something like I got, obviously kidney failure. It wakes you up thinking that that never happened to me. But now, since I've since I've had that, I'm much more aware, and I see people around me who are heading that way as well. Do you find you know, that you're kind of back. like uh, you're now kind of intercepting when you can kind of see these patterns build up with other people, and you're saying, look. This is kind of the path that I've been down. I can see where yeah. you're heading, and man, it's it's not a good road ahead of you. It's not all, but the thing is, these guys are doing this, but they're not even the best in the world. They're not even close to being the best in the world. The, the national level, even not even that, some of them, and they're still pushing them boundaries. I understand it. it we all do it for self, but if you've no reward, what are you doing it for? At the so, end of the so, day, so I mean, why, why you can do you get think that those kids are doing it? Why do you think that, that there is this, they feel this need to do it, even yeah. even at a grassroots level? It's I, think, I think they don't know any different. We need to get better coaching out there. People making people who have done it before, more let these guys know what happened, but they don't believe you. I talk to people, and they want to know about drugs and, and training methods. And the way I trained were very simple. And I got blood checks and stuff like that. And in my peak years, my health was quite good. It wasn't wasn't bad. 
it's only when I got older and I started pushing it. I mean, if, if you're not feeling up to it, you, you can't you can't pull a thousand pounds if you're not feeling well. You can't do these numbers. You can't pull nine hundred pounds forty eight times if you're feeling unwell. If you're taking too many drugs or doing drinking, you know what I mean. You can't do all these things. It doesn't happen. You've got to focus on one thing. But the kids today, I don't know. I think there's too much out there with YouTube now. It's too much information. It's confusing, and it's you see the top guys as well, you know, and the strongman, and they're just genetic freaks. Look, look at the size of them. Look at look at the men. If you're not if if you if you're not genetically gifted, that's number one in my eyes. And, and that involves mental strength as well, not not just your body. You know, I was built to deadlift and squat. And I have the attitude where I'll do anything it takes. The guys today will do anything it takes, but they haven't got the genetic ability to be the best in the world. No matter what they do, they're never going to be that man. We're all born to do something. Mm. You see, and you need to realise, quicker you, sooner you can realise this, then you can adapt, adapt to that. If you're not going to be the best, what are you... What are you wanting to get from this? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because you know, a lot of these guys work. You know, got a lot of guys. These guys work full time. I didn't work full time. I was sponsored. I was at a level where we're getting paid to do this, so I could put everything into it. But when guys are working, have a family, you can't afford to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, time is so precious. And, and then when you think about how much time you have to devote to training, I don't, I don't quite think people understand how much time strength athletes truly do have to commit to training. And when I say training, I don't necessarily just mean being in the gym for kind of that the couple of hours that you are every single day, but it's all the other stuff outside of it. It's the prepping your meals. It's the getting everything ready. It's cleaning everything up. It's getting stuff ready for the next day, making sure your kit bag's got this, making sure that this is set, making sure you've got that registered for this competition. It's it is it's a constant day to day thing, and to be the best, everything has to be right, man. And there's so much pressure for you to be able to pull that off. It does, and it's not easy. But what I find today is a lot of young kids. Well, I watched a Dorian Yates video a while back, and um, he's talking about when he were coming to his best, they want a lot of information. For him, he, he he learned as he went. You know, he, he learned about his body. He tried this, doesn't work. He tried this. If it worked, he kept it. Today, there's a lot more information around all these different diets, all these different programs you can follow. He, he more or less made, did his own that worked for him, and I was very similar to that. Mm. I didn't listen to no other routines. I set me three days a week routine. I put squat and deadlift together and a bench on a separate day. Um, plus an assistance bodybuilding day, three days. And that I adapted that over years. I started basic, and if I needed anything else, anything we're lacking, I'd work on that, specialise on that off-season. Um, and that's how I progressed from there. Then, then added things on later on if I needed them, like the bands on the on the bench press, as I was struggling with lockout work. Um, I'd have a band or two, and, and I'd change maybe. But if things are getting stronger, you don't have to change anything. There's no point. I never used bands and chains on deadlifts. Never used bands and chains on squat ever. Didn't never did box squats. Never did glute hammer raises. Never did anything like that. They weren't available back then. People think, oh, the next big thing you need glute hammer raises. It's going to make you deadlift. No, it won't. You know what I mean? It's hard work going the basics right again and again and again and learning. And it comes from your mindset. If you're going in, I mean, the lads are seals in our gym in Leeds. See us training. Oh, that looks easy. You have a lot of rest between sets. Well, come and join us next week. They come and join us. Halfway through the workout, they're leaving. They're being sick. I can't do with this. This is hard. Of course, it's hard. You know, it looks easy on the outside, but when you're moving big, big numbers around again and again and again, and you're doing three-hour workouts with squat and deadlift together, it's not easy. You know, it's hard work. And I needed them four days rest. To be honest, I need I needed them rest because I couldn't do four days. It was just too much for me. Yeah, the sensory nervous system now, is just YouTube. Than that. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, since my transplant, I was training five days a week because my weights were so low. Um, I was going to get into the gym and start building up again. And as I, as I progressed, I went to four days. I did four days last week, and I felt ill for three days. I felt like shivers, I felt flu symptoms. I felt really run down. I thought. I can't train two days straight. It's just impossible. So I've gone back to three days a week again. 
which I used to do, and I do a lot of walking on my off days. And it works perfectly for me. I think a, a lot of people who I train online and PTs start them off at three days a week. Yeah, it's not enough, and it's not enough. Well, let's start at the bottom and progress from there. I'm not going to start you on five days. It's better to start low and build than start high and come back. Yeah. You know, and they get a bit, oh, yeah, but YouTube, he just five days a week and look at him. Yeah, but you're not him. He's taken him years to get to that point. We need to just start at step one. Do the basics. If you get strong, we keep it. If you don't, we change things around. And it's very simple. Yeah, but West Side and this and this band and that band. No, don't confuse yourself. Do not honestly confuse yourself. I don't understand their system. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's the important thing, and and it's been touched on before by by Delroy and a few others that it, if you're not if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't try and put bands on don't try and put chains on if it's a case of that that you know you haven't even hit your full deadlift potential yet and and you you don't necessarily unless you're an experienced lifter you can't even self-govern that that's something that a, a coach or someone would be able to say you know well actually you know you're actually still a little bit weak in the hips here and if you adjust that then you've, you've probably got another 30 to 40 kilos in the bag once you're there and you've hit your max yeah. and every single time you're not getting any better okay well then maybe start to think about different ways of training it and that doesn't necessarily mean adding bands and chains but looking at doing deloads looking at taking stress off of your body all those different factors you don't have to have any of the fancy kit but like you said you just got to do the simple shit right that's the end doing it consistently i i would i would never never had a day of training i mean it must have been over 10 years didn't have a day off training. Only time we have time off training after competitions. After big competitions, I've, I would have up to, up to a month off. Um, a good friend of mine, a bodybuilder, um, once said, told me, don't go back to the gym after a competition until you want to go back to the gym after a competition. Mm. Um, don't just give yourself a week and go back. Take as long as you need until you want to go back and you're itching to go back to that gym. Don't go back. I tried it once, I did, a, I did a week and went back. And I was strong, but mentally, I'm looking around thinking, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here. So I went home again. Um, and after the £1,000 deadlift the first time, I had four weeks off. I didn't want to go back to training. I thought, oh, this is me done. Because I was that mentally exhausted with the build-up and the two years before it, aiming for that one goal. Once I'd done it, it was like, I was flat. I thought, what am I going to do next? So then I had a month off, and then I started getting that edge back again. I want to do more now. So then we, I programmed it for that, to do more. But it, it's not always, you know, young kids, it's not always about a quick fix. Have the short-term goals, have the long-term goals, you know, have the big goals. I never planned on putting a 1,000 pounds until, I think, three years before I did it. I never thought it was possible. Um, I had goals of 900 and I was breaking. Was it just like a case of that your numbers were just creeping up and you're like, ah, oh, I'm pretty close to the thousand. Like, maybe let's go for it. Or someone like, and you're like, just go for it. And then you're like, no, all right then. No, it's a good story. I aimed at Gary Heisey, number one. Gary Heisey had the all-time record with 419 point something. So I went on and pulled 420 of the British Championships. I broke that record. And then I went to America, I pulled 421. Because every time I broke the record, I got paid. So I was just creeping it up, creeping it up. There was nobody else around to beat me. I was I winning it every time. I was getting thousands of pounds just by breaking this record by kilo, kilo, kilo. Dave Beatty said, you could have smashed that record back then. But I said, no, but there's no point, Dave, because I'm, I'm getting paid money. <laughs> if I said it, I said, it's about money. It's all about money, that's all it is. Um so I went up to 4.27, I got 4.27, and I was creeping it up again, and then this young lad, Benedict Magnuson, come around, and I saw him pull 4.26 in training, I thought, my God, and I'm off, I'm off, against, I'm off against, up against this guy soon, so we went head to head, I squatted 5.20 that day, he squatted nothing, 60 kilos, I benched 3.10, he benched 60, he saved it for deadlift. And he pulled 440. Mm. And he beat me, and I pulled 427. And for the first time, I've been beaten on deadlift. And he's, he was young in his early 20s. And that gave me the desire then. Right, I'm not going to let this go now. So that was in the November. 
And then in the March at the Arnold Classic, I went back there and I squatted over 500 again, benched over 300 and pulled 441. And took my record back from him straight away within three months. Took it back. And it's now, it's the race to a thousand pound because it's so close now. We're yeah. only 15 kilos away. Yeah, yeah. It's nearly there. And that's when I decided to focus on it. So what what did you do differently in that time between Benny taking the, the, the deadlift from you and then you added? So what did you put on there? Best part of, what, 20 kilos? I'm trying to do the math in my head now. What did you say? You pulled two... Uh, four, yeah, four, two... Four twenty-seven. Seven. To four forty. To four forty-one. Okay. To be honest, I did nothing. I did nothing different because I could have pulled four forty-one back then. It just that I was holding it back to break records just to get the money. I wasn't letting myself go. The record, the the deadlifts I was pulling at four twenty, four thirty. I wasn't. I wasn't failing. I could pull them and hold it at the top. At the end of a three lift me. I wasn't tired. It wasn't maximum. It was just playing around, really. And just that, to win. And that just was picking just what I needed to win. And you win. just wanted to, to go there, tick a box, grab a check and go. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Because there was nobody else doing more until, until Benny come around. And now, somebody else being so close to a 1,000 as well, I thought, I'm not going to let him do it first. <laughs> it's not going to happen before me. So I thought, if I, if I put all this work in on Delhi, and he's the first man to do this, I couldn't live with that. I could not live with this. So that's when I got my head down. And also, Jeff Everson um, in America on Planet Muscle once said to me, he said to me two years before, he said, the first man to break a £1,000 debt, I'll give you £10,000. And I looked at him and I thought, yeah, you're saying that because it'll never be done. And I started thinking about it. And I said, I'm not far away. 15 kilos, £33 away. It's not that... F- it, it sounds like not a lot, but it is on top of that. It's a lot of weight on top. Well, yeah, 100%, because I mean, you're amount. talking about like the mar- margins at, at, at that weight, you know, an, an extra four or five kilos on the bar, and man, that bar might just not come off the floor anymore. Exactly, yeah. People think that. They think, oh, it's only a few kilos more, but it's on top of what we've already done. It's not that easy. It doesn't work out like that. So I just, I got my head down, focused for them a couple of years, Um so I did 441, and then the next day I pulled off £1,000. And I pulled it the next year. No, what, year, 2006? It might have been the year after, yeah, I think it was the year after. No, it, well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't. Like, the 441 was in March. I pulled the 455 that same year in November. So it was oh, six months later. Jesus Christ. Six months later. So well, that's that's roll, no I time roll, at I all. I pulled 410. Well, especially if you think so. If you yeah. say that you were taking, you know, uh, the, the best part of a month off post comp as well, if you're going to hit hit that with Benny, and then you're taking best best part of a month or at least a couple of weeks off, you know, that's only like five and a half yeah, or dude. five months. Then, well, dude, you're not also going to be lifting that up but until the competition meet. So you've probably only got about four months to make any serious progress. I never, it. I never touched anywhere near it because if you're pulling big deadlift after big deadlift in competitions twice a year. That deadlift's in your body. It's there. It's not like a beginner coming up and pulling a maximum for the first time because then it takes some time to get that again. But when you're pulling it regular twice a year over 900 pounds, your body adapts to that sort of load. So you don't have to kill yourself in the gym again because you've already done it on the platform. So it only than five months away to train. But all I had to do was fine-tune things, get more speed off the floor, nail that technique, which is always good. I just nailed it, and I never went. My last pull in training, three weeks out, were 350 kilos for three reps. And I pulled it so fast, I could have cleaned it up to my chest. It was that quick. Um, and that were it. I didn't lift for three weeks. There was nothing for three weeks. And I went to that show, and I pulled a 1,000. That's the first time. But even even attempting that 1,000, walking up to a 1,000, I opened up with 390. And that felt so easy. I just knew it was going to be on. And then second attempt, I missed it. I said, I don't want it. I'm going to leave. I'm going to pass. They're going, why? I said, because I want to save everything now for this last lift. So uh, 455. So it's a 65 kilo jump. Uh, but my mindset was strong. I believed I'd already pulled that lift 100 times before in my head. I had not one doubt in my mind I was going to pull that. Honestly, I, 
I, I didn't doubt it. I just thought it's just just gonna happen when I go to the bar. I'm just gonna pull it, and I pulled it. It was harder than I thought it was gonna be because right at the top, my grip started to go a little bit. Um, it had never been tested like that, and the load on my body, I've never felt anything like it. Um, but they give me the give me it, and then it felt that was it. It was done. It, it didn't sink in. Just just done a thousand pound. First man ever. And how did the body feel after? Crazy. Oh, very, very, very tired. Very tired. I remember at the time I work. I think I was working as a driver, and all my forearms were strained, and I couldn't even put my arm out of the window to rest my forearm on the door, on the window part of the truck, because it was so tender to touch. So the whole four time weeks, that, that you're, you're doing this, you're driving as well? I was driving at that point, yeah. I was still working, yeah. Driving eight, nine, ten hours a day. A power tool company as well. Having to lift power tools and sit back at wagon and drive diggers on and lift, lift things on, you know, drills and all sorts of stuff, yeah. So your body was just it kept in addition to lifting stuff all day, every day, non-stop, yeah. without, without really much of a choice. Yeah, it, 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 I want my peak. I was 36 years old, you know. I want my strongest I've been and, and all the work I've done before that. And the mind, combined with the mindset, if you watch my deadlifts over the years, one thing you'll notice, the technique never changed from 200, 60 kilo to 1,000. That's what people comment on me. You, you never take, you never get phased by the way. I don't walk to the bar scared thinking, and you say, hang on a minute, he doesn't deadlift like that. He's doing, he's doing three, four dips instead of three dips with his hips. It was always the same. One, two, three, pull. Never changed. You know, it's always the same. My mindset was, I'm going to pull this. I wasn't scared of failing. If I didn't get it, I'll come back another day and do it again i failed a thousand pound three times and i got it twice that's crazy that's crazy but surely every single time you i mean i mean it's it depends on the point of failure but even when you're failing on those lifts you know if you're not quite getting lockout that's another time your body's been conditioned yeah. to lift that thousand key that the thousand pounds it's like well every single time you're doing that you're just getting your body stronger to be able to finally finish off that movement it, it, it makes me think now because I mean I pulled 900 I pulled 900 two or three times I'd pull it twice in a competition some shows I'd open my 900 and then I'd probably go for whatever I needed to win for 24, 30 second you know I could pull it three times in a competition at some point at one point I was doing um, 380 openers 410 second 443rd and they're all comfortable three lifts two lifts over 900 after squat and bench and I see lifters today, I mean, when I watch British lifters today at big shows and I see them pulling, and I think just think about when I were pulling, I'm thinking, I must have been so far ahead because what I were doing back then, it, it seems way above what the British guys are doing now. And what do you mean by that? Is that just sheer numbers you know that you're mean? putting out or the way that you would do it in terms of approaching yeah, like almost like three maximal lifts? Like, yeah, well, if you look at squats, squats improved a lot. I mean, what they're doing now in raw squats is crazy. And raw benching in this country, it's really improved over the years. But raw deadlifting hasn't really improved. Okay. You see, or even suited deadlift, because a suit don't give you much in the deadlift, it doesn't give you the, the edge. I mean, Tom Martin's the only other man who's... besides me. I mean, you know, you've had Delroy a lot of years now, potentially pulling 400, he's never done it yet. Um, you know, behind them, I don't know. Guys are promising it, but you never seem to break that 380, 390 mark, you know what I mean? So I don't know if they're trying to approach deadlift like they do the other two lifts, but to me, deadlift's a lot different. You need to do a lot less, a lot less. It, it, it's a lot of work, a lot of volume, but stay away from the max attempts. So I've seen a lot of lifters this week to... even on... on uh, feel or like a percentage so would you know okay well last last time i i pulled x uh as a max in in comp so i would only ever work up to 75 percent or whatever it might be for you or is it just literally a step in the gym and feel okay well actually 350 feels pretty comfortable today it's fast i feel like if i was to go to 360 or 370 it would be too slow how would you gauge it well the thing is mr day Back then and now, it's all technical now. Everybody puts percentages on things. Yeah. Back then, I didn't, didn't do percentages. I went by our, what is, I knew from from trying it, you know, that's, that's the way to do it, from trying it yourself. I mean, when I was younger, 
I went up to 380 in training. I did two reps. I think it was 385. 385 for two reps I did in training. The world record, I was going against Gary Heisey, the man who had the all-time record. So I just did 380 in training for two. So I did 385 for two to beat him. Um, only in my early 20s. Um, I went to a competition. I pulled 380. I pulled five kilo less than I doubled in training. So I thought, how can this be? What, what am I doing wrong? Like everybody else does out there, they're confused. Yeah, but I should be stronger than that because I've just done it in training. So what I did, I had five weeks off training. I got a bit down. I thought, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Five weeks off training. In that five weeks, I did nothing. No training, literally nothing. Um, went back to the gym one, one night, Wednesday night, when we do deadlifts. Saw the lads deadlifting. I didn't have any kit with me. I borrowed somebody's belt. I thought, I'll have a go. Let me just try something. So I had five weeks off. So I warmed up 60 kilos, 100 kilos, 140, 180, 220. All singles all the way up. 260, 300. Felt easy. Put 340 on. 340 went easy. Put 380 on. Went easy. Put 410 on. Easy. Put 420, 425 on, I think I put on the bar. 425. I got it to within two inches of lockout. So from doubling 385 for two to getting 380 in the platform, from not training for five weeks, nearly pulling 425 as a in my low 20s, 20-year-olds, 20 low, low, 20, low to mid-20s. So do you think, I, thought, I mean, that's phenomenal. Do you think that, that what is more than likely happening is that people are just pushing their training too far prior to comp and they're not necessarily taking I mean you, you kind of said there that sometimes you're taking you know best part of like three three to five weeks before you're pulling any weight again are they not leaving it long enough is it a case of like they're doing a deload week and then it's like okay right let's go in, into comp meet and the body's like what the fuck is going on definitely they're not leaving it far enough out I'm, I'm not saying you can't train heavy off season people say oh yeah Andy but you train light yeah, but what they don't see, what I'm not telling them is only a few people know or actually train online. In the off-season, when I was training in the off-season to them big, big pulls, 1,000-pound, 900-pound pulls, for like, so you see, I start a cycle 16 weeks out from a show. All I work on is a two-inch block, like it's partial, but it's a two-inch, two-inch, three-inches block. It's right down low mid-shin. So it's not on the, off the floor, but it's the hardest point in your deadlift. Most people get stuck there. There's not a lot of leg drive from that position. It's a lot of hamstring, a lot of lower back. And I'd work up on that for six, for eight weeks. And I'd work all my sets on that. Then straight after that, I'd go straight to the floor and do three sets of three. But I'd go to between 180 and 200. That's all. Just keep the movement going off the floor. So it didn't become alien when you went back to it later yeah. on. So I kept it going all the way. So I'd do that and I'd work up to 400 kilos at eight weeks, eight weeks out for three reps from a two-inch board. No no straps, just my hands, right? Then I drop that, that's it, drop it. Now this 100, 180 to 200 kilo mark I've been doing all along, now this has start stepping up now for the next eight weeks, next probably five weeks, and after three weeks out, I'm going to be the biggest lift. So for the next five weeks, I start cranking that up. Now, I had the strength from doing the board pull, so I didn't have to go crazy on this. So I could jump up from like 220, 250, 280, 310, 350, five weeks. I do 350 for three. It's not too heavy. I've had, I've had all that five weeks doing that, giving my body rest from doing the 400 triple. Now, for the last three weeks, I had one more session, 10 days out, 200 kilos. For one single, that's it, done. And I go lift and pull over 900 every time. That's crazy. So you're actually you're, so I'm going you're to, you can build... condition from the, to the the actual block pull rather yeah. than the full deadlift itself. And then as soon as you pick yeah. that block pull, yeah. you know the body has got the condition, and now you can, you just get to play around with it from the floor. Yeah. You use your heavy, heavy loads off season, far enough out that it's not going to dig into your recovery into the competition. And you work, I'm working on my sticking point, which my sticking point was just off the floor, mid shin. So I'm working on that sticking point now all the time, but heavy. 
And then I'd drop that, move into the floor, because that's a competition lift, and I'd work my way right up, stopping short or going near maximum lift. So all the time, my body's recovering, recovering, recovering. It's that 350 once, done. Cut it down. So for, for three weeks, I'm itching to get to the bar now. Now, on competition day, I cannot wait to deadlift. I see some guys today coming to the deadlift bar, and they look tired, looking exhausted. I've seen one that... Um, I saw Alexander Clark actually lifted him this week. Now, he won my deadlift challenge this year, which was amazing because he's missed it so many times. But he finally won it this year. But I was going to send him a message. I saw a video he was doing, and he competes in a few weeks. And I saw him pulling 365. But then he had a go at, two, he had a go at 390. He said, I'm just having a go at 390. But he's never done 390. You don't just have a go at 390. You don't just have a go away for sake of... What is the point? It's, it's just to me, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, why would you do that? Yeah. Why even... I just don't understand it. What's the sense behind just having a go before a competition? I just couldn't get my head around it. I, I don't know. I mean, and I'm not the smartest one in the world, but when it comes to training in your body, I, I know what works. As I was say, I think, I think your world record like, list kind of gives you the, the validity to kind of say anything and it'd be a law, Andy. <laughs> but I, I actually started messaging him and something happened just to, just to say to him, you know, because I, I, like, I like him a lot. We get on, we get on good. Um, so I just wanted to try to help him, just try to help, you know what I mean? Just help him a little bit, best I can. Yeah, 100%. So with the, the kind of block force, I'm really interested to go back to this. So obviously you said that your your weak point was kind of mid shin. So if you were to see someone who was, you know, maybe kind of failing around the knee or failing the lockout or even failing off of the floor, are you going to change the block? So would you say, okay, well, let's do block pulls from 15 because you're like just below knee or you're at knee height and that's where you're failing? Or would you still, do you suggest that you still just keep it just off of the floor enough that you can condition the body without kind of getting too much of the leg involved. Yeah, it, it, it does depend on the because um, a lot of people fail from the knee and above. Um, it, it can be because they're pulling it from the floor wrong. If you're not if you're not getting to your knees on a deadlift, when you get to your knees, if your hips are not cocked back when you're at your knee, you have nothing to push forward. I see a lot of people, they pull it off the floor fast for the sake of pulling it off the floor fast, but they're not pulling it in that same position. And by the time you get to the knees, the glutes have already gone forward. So now there's nowhere to push. So, so they're starting to hyperextend and use the back to lock it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's what they do. And the floor speed's amazing. But then it stops dead at the knee. So that's one thing to look at. Um, all over knee... Another thing I see people doing on deadlift, which I like to correct this, they don't, they almost get to the knee and then lean the body back. They don't, they don't use the hips, glutes to push forward. A deadlift, you get to your knees. I do a lot of people like this, and I get them doing a lot of pause reps at the knee, just below the kneecap. And then what you need to do is focus on pushing them glutes forward. It's a snap, like a kettlebell swing. It's a snap forward. Your body doesn't change. Your body doesn't go like this. It stays the same. It's just your hips going boom forward. Your body's upright. I just think it's of that like a vertical power. hip thrust. They're not thrust. training. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. It's just they're not. Change. They're not using these muscles. Yeah, yeah, it, it it makes complete sense as well because once you're in that position and your glutes are already engaged, I mean, anyone that's ever tried to pull from this position before you'll know it's just so incredibly hard and it's so hard to then get your shoulders back into position as well and just it, it makes the, the the lockout nigh impossible if you've got big legs as well obviously that's another yeah. factor because you're going to have to drag out those yeah. bad boys if you've got big quads and that's not touted or powdered or oiled man good luck trying to get it up then yeah well i think a lot of the big big Quad dominant lifters. I mean, they are they are best sumo. A lot of them, they do tend to go better with sumo deadlift because for that reason, we've got a guy who trains with us, a big Romanian, and his legs are so big. He's a great squatter, but deadlift he's always struggled with. But he's recently gone sumo, and I just told him to stick with it, no matter how long it takes you, because he's so much leg power. 
and he, he's deadly conventional, just looks horrible. He can't get the right line, his arms are quite tight and stiff. I said, two more suits him, but it'll take you time. It'll take you, could take you a year to two years to get it nailed on. But he, he said, stick with it. You're going to lose kilos, but just stick with it. And I think the NEM lifters, it's the right move to do. Sumo, it, it suits some people. Yeah, for a lot of people, especially you know, like just... guys with yourself, when you're at your peak and you're so big as well, trying to get down into those positions for a lot of guys aren't conditioned to it like you were for, through your entire lifetime. It's very, very difficult, like especially if you're bringing someone that's new into the game. If you've got like a big barrel chest or you've got a big stomach or a gut on you, trying to get into conventional for, for a deadlift is not an impossible. So obviously if you're still trying to keep down that competition route, sumo is so smart, but if you can't even do that, even adapting it to something like a hex bar where your gut can get in the way all day long, it doesn't even matter, but you just start getting your body conditioned to that weight and then move into a sumo or conventional or whatever your programming will do. But yeah, 100%, there's definitely ways around it. It is, but I mean, don't you think a lot of people are just putting weight on for it's uh, just in, just for putting weight on sake? I think people like, do far too much. When I went up to yeah, yeah, and, but when I when I put I mean, I mean actual body weight as well because when I went up to 160 kilos, I couldn't deadlift properly. I was deadlifting more stiff legged. I couldn't get to the bar. Oh, okay. When yeah, I got body, down to yes. 152, yeah, yeah. When I got down to 152. Yeah, I want as big. I want 160, 165. But my deadlift, I pulled a thousand pound out, and that's when I squatted 550 at 152. We've all got an optimum body weight yeah. that you can do all three lifts comfortable at. When you go beyond that, your squat might increase a bit. Your deadlift, your, your bench could increase, but your deadlift will suffer. So you've got to think: What do you want from this? Are you building a total? If you deadlift only, you need to drop the weight, drop the ego. You know, if, you want, if you're chasing a squat load record, it's different. You know, you can put the weight on. Heavier you are, the, the better you're going to be. So do you feel like that, that there are a lot of people that are in the sport of, of powerlifting that are neither uh, specialist enough with one particular lift to be warranting the weight that they're carrying or they're not dominant enough in the total to be getting onto the leaderboard. Do you feel there's a lot of that? Because I feel like everyone's trying to be kind of a specialist and also an all-rounder. And I feel like unless you are genetically gifted, it's very, very hard to, to, to keep that balance. Yeah, because I started when I started, it was all about the total, the powerlifting total when I started. It wasn't about individual lifts. I never, I never did a deadlift only me for years and years and years. Um, I, I did a big deadlift after a squat and bench, always. That's the way I did it. Today, it's more, there's more individual lift, you know, shows out there now, push pulls, and that went around back then. It, it didn't do that, it was full power, always full power. That's what it was. But today, I think a lot of these younger kids, the focus becomes on getting bigger, eat more, get bigger, get bigger. They're not staying long enough at a weight to actually progress at that weight. And then once they progress for two or three years, four years at that weight, take that, take them totals to the limit, what they can do at that body weight, and then progress a little bit more body weight and do the same again. They're just going straight from 100 kilos to 140 kilo body weights, cramming all the food in and getting as big as they can. Then lifting suffers because they're not they're not conditioned, they haven't done it over time. It's just a quick fit. And then the lifting suffers, they feel ill, they're not conditioned to that. They haven't done it slowly over years, you see. So that's what happens. Yeah, I feel like everyone, well, I, I, must, I must sound like a broken clock now, but I feel like everyone is just trying to get where they want to go in too short a space of time. No one's saying, I want to be a world record holder in 10 years. People are coming into the game and they're not even a year deep and they're saying, next year, I want to be contender for, for, for this bench press world record. And you're going, okay, what planet are you living on? Do you, do you honestly really think yeah. in your head that you can condition your body to lift that weight in 365 days? Not even a chance. Not even a chance. Well, people want everything now anyway. They all want it now, don't they? They think more drugs, more food, and they can get there. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of scary to see that, that a lot of younger people are, are opting down that route as, uh, as option one. Not even option two or three yeah. or four or five down the line. They're going, okay, 
I'm not even necessarily hitting a plateau, but they're going, oh, training's slowing up a little bit because all I'm doing is pulling a fucking max every single time I hit training. I'm not actually changing anything. Well, what can I do around that? Well, Dave said that he can get me some trend and I'm going to bang that and eat eat 6,000 calories a day. And it's like, oh, your totals go up. It's like, yeah, your totals go up because you're, you're on it. It's not a reflection of your own ability. And actually, you probably could have pulled that without having to fuck around with the food, without having to fuck around with the drugs, because you're not actually taking the time that you need to develop the body to be able to handle the stress and the strain that those weights bring, which is a lot. Yeah, exactly. But but the kids, they don't even know how to get strong. They don't know how to get strong. They don't know how to train to get strong. They have no idea because it's all in the out of a bottle. Ask them how they get strong. Well, I don't know. How do you cycle for this short cycle? I'm thinking, well, what's a cycle? They don't know what it is. We used to do eight, 10, 12-week, 16-week cycles. And me and the old school lifters from RALS always did cycles. The, the new group now we come with, oh, I feel good today. I'm going to max. I'm going to max. I'm going to max. I'm looking at them laughing, just thinking, no, you know what I mean? What are you doing? Oh, I'm beating you, Andy. I'm beating you. Well done. You're beating me. It's 180. Let's see what happens in 10 weeks when we go to a competition. Let's see where we are then compared to where I am. You know what I mean? And they're not even in the same league. But they think it's, it's a big boost for them, beating me in training. It, it baffles me, honestly, does it? Nobody sees it in training. Nobody cares. Yeah, the world isn't watching in <laughs> training. The world is watching when you're standing in a platform and the judge is looking at you and you're looking for those white lights. And hey, if you get it, you get it on the day. And if you don't, guess what? You don't get it. And that's the beautiful thing about weightlifting is it is black and white. You get the lift or you don't get the lift. You picked it up or you didn't. It is good. But I've, there's one lifter that I've noticed. We chatted a few weeks ago, UK lifter, that um, I've noticed he's improved a lot. And it's Sam Bollins. Um, me and he's Sam were talking about a week ago. recently. Yeah, the reason why, the reason why, I said to Sam, the reason why, if you watch his training, like right now, he's, he's building up, he's starting to build, his weights aren't heavy, he's, he's moving the weights well, he won't go to a maximum in training, he'll cycle over how many, eight, nine, ten, ten weeks, twelve weeks, whatever he does, um, everything's planned, everything's got a place, if, if you're doing something, if you're doing something, you don't know why you're doing it, don't do it. You need to, everything you're doing, when I trained for competitions, everything I did in training had a reason, had a purpose. If that wasn't going to help me, I didn't do it. Like I never did any standing accessory work because I get that from squat and deadlifts that up loads on my back. I wouldn't do standing calf raises because it's a load on my shoulders. That's for squat day. Let's do seated calf raises, toe press. Um, shoulders, seated, save your back. That's so fascinating. You know, I'm not a strong man. I love that because I, I, when you said that you did squat and deadlift on the same day, I thought, how do you handle it with a strain on your body? But if you're doing everything else sat down, then that is complete sense because yeah. it's not it's not extra stress on your central nervous system because everything's lying. When I did it separate, when I did squat and deadlifts on separate days, for a lot of years we did. When I first started with this group, we did it for years. And I used to pull up to 390, 400 kilos. Then Brian Reynolds, it was, who was an IPF champion in 1992, 93, who, trained, who got me into powerlifting. And he said, right, we're going to change to squat and deadlift the same night. And I'm thinking, why? Well, that's what we do on a competition day. You compete like that, so why not train like that? that that's what I was method. You compete how you train, you know, you train how you compete. You're going to be conditioned now. Yeah, it's harder. But that'll hold your weights back as well. You're, you can't max out on both every session. You're going to be naked. So we did this, and, and I was stubborn. I thought, I'm not doing it. And they all did it, and I stayed by myself for five weeks, doing it separate. Then I finally gave in. I thought, fuck this, I'm going to try this. So I tried this. I was sick after workouts for three or four weeks. I was throwing up. It was hard, conditioning-wise. But once you got adapted, I got adapted. And then the next day lift show I did, I pulled 420. 20-kilo 20 PB, just like that. Because it was just, it was crazy. It was like, because now my lower back is only getting worked once a week. Yeah. So were you deadlifting after squats or squatting after deadlifting? Yeah. No, just like your competition. You squat, you bench, and you deadlift. So we'd move the two biggest yeah. movements together. So on a Monday, we'd do a bench. A, a Monday for me was bench press. Because I'd have Saturday, Sunday off training. Now, bench press was my weakest lift. So I did it first thing after the weekend when I was fresh. Then by Tuesday off, Wednesday was squat and deadlifts. 
And then what I found is I could do my assistance to this. So I do my leg, my leg and back assistance work on a Thursday, the day after squat and deadlifts. Because even though it were back and legs again, it wasn't squatting, it were leg pressing, leg extensions, hamstring curls, supported rows, pull downs, the shrugs, everything supported. Low back weren't involved in anything. Then we do a squat work and grip, grip work if we needed it. And then I'd get I'd get Friday, Saturday, Sunday rest. Monday I was strong again. By Monday, when my weakest lift was bench press, I was my strongest. Because that was my weakest area, so I had to really work hard on it with more rest before. And that's how we did it for years. For well, years we did that. I, for all I, my I best love years. That because even for someone like yourself <laughs> who is a, a phenomenon in strength and you were throughout your entire peak, that even you are thinking, okay, well, I know my bench press isn't where I want it to be, so I am going to program everything to ensure that regardless of everything else, that I'm making sure that I'm getting that when I'm fresh and I'm making that a focal point. And I think that's another fantastic point to touch on is that a lot of people I see again and again and again and again, and it drives me absolutely insane that they don't work on the weaknesses, but they're just working on the strengths. So they think, you know, oh man, my, 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 my quads are so good, my quads are so good, my quads are so good. Well, it doesn't matter because actually you need to have stronger hips and you need to have stronger hamstrings because your pull's shit. So why are you doing that? It doesn't make any sense. And I think a lot more people need to have that honesty with themselves and say, look, okay, if I suck at this work, then this is the work that I need to prioritize because this is the work that's going to take my totals above and beyond anything they ever could be. I know my, my squatting were very strong. It were always very strong as a squat, even from a young age. Um, but I still do the hamstrings. The hamstrings were never the strongest. So what I used to do is, on the assistance day, I'd come in and do my hamstrings first. I'd do my hamstrings first, hit them hard, eight, eight to ten sets, a different very curls, I never, I never did. See, I never believed in doing a lot of stiff leg deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, because I saved that stuff for deadlift day. That's lower back, and I don't so want to get lower back, back there, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of that, um, working them hard, not low, low reps, 10, 15s, you know, highish reps, um, and then I'd do the leg press afterwards um, when my hamstrings were tired, and I'd always use the leg press and my feet high up on the plate. To involve more hamstring again, which was my weakness. And I remember working up to 600 kilos for sets of 20 reps with no knee, knee wraps on or anything. And that's when at my strongest put in a thousand pound. Um, so leg press is a massive, leg press is the most underrated assistance lift for deadlifts. If you look at the leg press, when you're sat in a leg press, you angle your legs and you turn it around to a deadlift position, the exact same position. If you stick your hands out, all the you're, time. you're pretty much at the bottom of, if you were to just look up, you're like, I could just as easily be in the bottom of a deadlift here, right? Yeah. To pull. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then what I do to add a bit more of a touch to that, which I did with a lot of people who were training, is at the bottom, give it a second, one or two second pause away from your body, like a leg, so you're having to do the full drive from the floor of a deadlift. It's pushing that away. Like a deadlift, you're pushing your feet away. On the floor, yeah. So, so everything we geared around a certain. So, are you still doing that on like the even the twenty rep sets? Because I mean, if anyone has ever done a twenty rep set of a heavy yeah. weight, I mean, by the twentieth rep, you're blown out of your ass because everything is having to brace for that. So, are you really working kind of uh, slow on the way down, pause, and then just big power drive up? Is are you still trying to get the speed, yeah. or is this just like yeah, almost it. like bodybuilding, just going through that tempo, two up, two down type? It's like a it's, I always control the negative all the time, but I'm not pushing it up like a bodybuilder would. To, I'm not trying to work every muscle in my leg. I'm not trying to get big legs. I'm trying to help with a certain lift. So, But I wouldn't put pauses in all the time. And don't forget, I would never, ever go to failure on anything assistance. I'm always stopping one to five reps sh shy of failure. So leg press, even when doing 20s, I could be doing 25s. So it wasn't failure. It was working heavy because I was strong. But I'll do three sets of that. Yeah. But I, I could have done four, five sets of that. You know, I wasn't going to balls out where I couldn't recover from it because you've got to recover from that work for your powerlifting work. So you can't do that full-time bodybuilding all out to failure, force reps, and then get good at your powerlifting. It's not going to work. You've got to pick which one you want to do. I think you that's know, something that's probably seen quite a lot of young kids in this day and age as well is that 
people that are just doing too much of their accessory work and they're, they're just fatiguing their body too much. Yeah. It's, it's a, I train a girl, Claudia, and um, I write her programs and everything, and, and she's she was feeling beaten up. Because on my programs, I put a little um, thing at the beginning about hard, medium, and pump. So I give them percentages of what hard means. Hard to me is 90%. It's no more, it's not 100%, it's 90% of the maximum. Then we go down to 80 and 70%, and then a pump is whatever you want, to, 50% or whatever. So assistance work, I'm saying moderate, moderate weight on assistance work. And I find out she's going full out. She used to be a bodybuilder, flat out on this assistance work. And her body's beating up. She says, why am I so tired? I said, well, what are you doing? Are you doing what I'm telling you? She goes, yeah. And she said about something about assistance, it was really hard. I said, what do you mean it's really hard? And I found out she's going to failure. I says, no, 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 that's not the plan. Because you, you, you're, com you're competing soon. So why are you doing that heavy now? It doesn't have to be. Your powerlifting's are heavy. So she sort of get it. And I, she pulled it all back. And she went from, she competed at my deadlift challenge. So she competed in July, first time in powerlifting. She pulled 140 deadlift, PB. So this is July this year. She competed again in October. After winding all this back in, I was training all the way through. She pulled 165. She weighs 67 kilos. She put 25 kilos on a, on a PB in in how many months? And she's a 67 kilo woman lifter. That's it's crazy because she's holding, you've got to hold back. Yeah, but it's don't feel like I'm doing enough. That's the biggest question. I'm not doing enough. I says, no, you are doing enough. Well, it was easy that three reps, so I put five reps. I said, no, what if it, the way it's easy, move it faster. Control, control, boom, as quick as you can. Give it everything. Don't do five reps just like this. Do three faster reps. It's the effort you put into each lift that counts the power, not just coasting along, doing whatever you need to do. It's got to be 100% effort in every single thing you do. Yeah, it's got to be 100% effort this over, on Peter. less than 90% of your one rep max. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I could train at... Um, I guess I was training a lot of time at 60 to 70% in deadlifts at the beginning of a cycle. But I was still leaving the gym exhausted because I've been doing a lot of volume and every single set were like a 400 kilo pull. I was putting it so quick. The effort was 100%. The weight wasn't 100%, but the effort's still there. So what I'm doing now, I'm training my body in fast twitch fibers to react. I'm, I'm training them like I'm pulling 400, but I'm not. I'm only pulling 200 so when you hit the 400, the you're, you're trying to move it at the same speed, though, aren't you? And the whole the whole concept is that, that you're exactly. moving at the same speed, but it's yeah. just the weight, the sheer weight that is slowing that velocity down. Yeah, and that's what I try to do with lifters. I'm trying to get the body. Yeah, and speed work doesn't work for everybody. And I understand this, but I'm not doing it as in speed work for that reason. It's, so we say speed work, but it's not not really speed work because some of them aren't that quick. But all we're trying to do is to get them to pull as hard as they can on the lighter weights to prime your body. So your body knows to pull everything hard and as fast as you can. Yeah, but it's not moving quick. It's not about how fast it moves. It's about the effort to move it. Yeah, and it's how fast can you switch everything Yeah, yeah. So it's getting that over to them. But that's the way, that's my approach has always been like that. Pull everything as fast as you can, as hard as you can. So it's interesting because it's like you have always had like an underlying sense of doing speed work throughout your entire career yeah, without yeah. actually trying to do speed work you've just you've just consciously yeah, been yeah. programming that in because it feels good and then when you're hitting the the stage yeah. and you're attacking 400 kilos with that speed it's like oh jesus that's just gone up like nothing exactly actually i were doing speed work like that when it before it even classes speed work it was just me doing what i do now, now you'll put a label on everything, aren't you? It's, it's, it's speed work. No, it's not speed work. Really. I don't like that term. And I don't like the deload, deload term. All these terms are new. Are you backing off, Andy? I said, yeah. What are you deloading? No, I'm backing off. I'm just having a lighter week. Yeah, it was deload. I said, well, well, you call it whatever you want. I was, I was training somebody the other day, and he goes, um, so at the beginning of the cycle, we're doing some eights now. We're doing some eights. Um, yeah, we're doing some hypertrophy. Uh, no, we didn't. we're just doing eights, mate. It's what works. We're just doing eights. Oh, yeah, hypertrophy. You, you said, you put whatever label you want on it. We're doing eights. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can make it into whatever you want. At the end of the yeah. day, it works, and it's 
it's proven. You can get hypertrophy from threes, you can get hypertrophy from ones, from fives, from fifteens, twenties. You can get fucking big off of doing anything. You don't have to put a label on it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's got to be eight to twelve reps for this. Anything below eight is not hypertrophy. It's going to be cost as this. It's bullshit. Half of it. People don't know. They don't know because I think a lot of these old school lifters need to come on and um, talk about how they got strong. Because today the label and everything, and I watch these kids. They're too bothered about oh that speed, without fast enough, with this, this, with this, this. Just work hard. Work hard. Stop making it complicated for yourself. Find out what works for you. If you don't work, adjust a little thing. Don't just don't adjust everything and come start a new plan after four weeks. Just take little things out, put little things in, and, and you'll adapt to yourself because we're all different. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We all feel differently and mechanically. Everything works different for everyone, and some people are built for better lifts in the deadlift or the squat or the bench, and you might not necessarily be good at all three, but you have to find out where your strengths are and where your weaknesses lie. I um I completely agree with that. So yeah. let me just uh quickly wrap up with this because I always think it's a it's it's an interesting concept, especially with someone like yourself who's had the career that they've had. You've had your ups and downs with your mindset um, and kind of your mental state. If you were to imagine for a second that you're going back in time and you 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 get to speak to to a younger version of yourself, and I mean kind of ten, eleven, twelve, very very impressionable ages, what? core values or, or, or bit of advice would you give to your younger self to kind of get you through all that hardship all that crap that you've had to get through to get to where you are today with all of those achievements it's a tough one isn't it well a lot of my downfalls i've got a very addictive personality um that's why i was so good one thing because I'd focus on it completely. But the downside of this, I'd, what I'd say to myself, you know, when you're when you're not lifting, I got led astray quite easily to other things, party partying sort of things and that down that road, you know, and, and then when I did that, I did it to the fullest. <laughs> I didn't do it by half, so that's a problem. So to myself, I'd be like, I don't know, it'd be hard one, wouldn't it? It's hard. Try to keep you you can't keep up straight and narrow. Don't be led. You know, you can follow your goals. You can enjoy your life the same way. You can enjoy your life just the same, but don't get, you know what I mean? Don't go off track. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't kind of Try stray, off stray off of your path. Don't be led, led astray from the, from the path that you want to create for yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That, I, I love that. And I did tend to do that. I mean, I only did it after competitions. But then it affected part of my life, you know, part of my life in future and stuff, and it affected my health. In the end, it went down to that, down to the cancers and all that. But, but it can't have helped, you know. And I just think sometimes, what would I ever done if I didn't do that after shows and let myself go for them months? What would I have done? Could I have done more than that? So, but at the end of the day, I did what I did. I don't regret any of it, to be honest. I'd do it all again, <laughs> and. It is what it is. I did what I did, and that's all I can do. I can't do anymore. I did the best I could do at the time. I beat the men I could beat at that time. Today, it's a whole new world. People are coming up, having their, their battles and everything. So uh, just, you know, do what you can do. Follow your dreams and do what you can do. 